Today we have the honor of joining with us Reverend Dr. Tracy S. Malone, who is our resident bishop here in the East Ohio Conference of the United Methodist Church. She provides spiritual oversight, equips, teaches, and encourages us in mission, in outreach, in witness, and in service. And she shepherds us as a church in providing a prophetic witness of justice and mercy and unity. These are the marks of a bishop, and I can say with confidence that she lives them out as an example for all of us who follow Christ. I'm grateful that Bishop Malone has been able to come and share with us today, and it is a joy to lead and worship with her and to show her, you, this beloved community of faith. Welcome, Bishop. Good morning, beloved of God. It is so good to be with you today. I've been looking forward to this time of worship, to this time of community, this time of fellowship. I want to thank Reverend Welch for inviting me to come and be the preacher of this hour. Amen? Amen. Um, hear these words taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hope for all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will be brought to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will be brought to an end. We know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, what is partial will be brought to an end. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, reason like a child, think like a child. But now that I have become a man, a woman, I've put an end to childish things. Now we see a reflection in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know partially, 
but then I will know completely in the same way that I have been completely known. Now faith, hope, and love remain. These three things, but the greatest of these is love. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the understanding of his holy word. Friends, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Most loving and gracious God, you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. For the gift of love, for the gift of salvation, for the gift of your grace and your mercy, we say thank you. For the gift of this community of faith, those who are gathered here in this very sanctuary and those who are joining us all across this virtual space, we say thank you. We thank you for your spirit because we know that whenever two or three are gathered, you promise us in your word that you would be with us. And we feel your holy presence, Lord. I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together would be acceptable in thy sight, for you are our strength. You are our redeemer. You are Lord. Let the people of God say amen. The theme for this morning's message is a more excellent way. A more excellent way. It has been said that the greatest, more, most powerful force in the world is love. And yet the greatest, most desperate need in the world is love. Hear that again. The greatest, most powerful force at work in the world is love because God is love. And yet the most desperate need and longing in the world is love. This paradoxical existence, this reality, speaks to the division and the tension that we often experience in our country and throughout the world. And we find this polarization, this divide, this tension even reflected in the church and in our communities. Just look at the television news or the digital news on social media, we see the intensity of political differences, of theological conflicts. We see the disparagement, people vilifying and demonizing each other, and yes, even in the church. And it seems like there is little or no tolerance for disagreement. Little or no tolerance for identity and diversity and difference. The world is suffering from traumatic levels of lovelessness. Dr. David Field in his book, Our Purpose is Love, he challenges the church, the people of faith, to recognize and reclaim love at the center of our identity and purpose as the church. The church is called to be the embodiment, the very reflection of God's love in the world. 
through our worship and our Bible studies and our prayers, through our belonging in communities such as this, we become shaped by love. It is here where we learn to love God and the power of God's love for us and for all of humanity. It is in the community of faith when we are gathered together in worship and prayer and song is when we learn how to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It is here in worship as we are being shaped by love that we learn to love our neighbors more completely and authentically. There isn't anything else more profound than love as the determining force that motivates all that we do in the church. What defines the church is not our creeds. What defines the church are not our great affirmations of faith. What defines the church is not just the beautiful music, and it was beautiful music, amen somebody. What defines the church is not even about our polity and our governance. What defines the church is how we love. How well we love. What defines the church is how we show up in the world. Love is a means of grace, God's unmerited favor upon our lives. And this love that is manifested through us, purposing us to reflect that love, God's love in the world. We are reminded in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say that God so loved the church. God so loved the world that God gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then we go a verse further that God sent them into the world not to condemn the world but so that the world might be saved through him. Love is a high and holy calling upon each of our lives. And guess what? It's a lifelong project because it takes time and it takes work to learn how to love well. And some of you know what I'm talking about this morning. In the Gospel of Matthew, when the scribe asked Jesus, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And he says that the whole of the law and all of the prophets, everything hinges on what? Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And loving your neighbor as yourself. Can any of us honestly say that we love like that? I know I can't, but I'm working on it. Can any of us say that we love like that with that kind of passion and that kind of fervor? I mean, every day waking up saying, Lord, how can I show your love to the world today? In the decisions that I make and even the things that I think or the way I interact with others. Do we love our neighbors as though they were our own flesh and blood? That's work, friends. Do we love our neighbors as if they were us? Love my neighbor as I love myself? 
Barbara Brown Taylor says that the hardest, most spiritual work in the world is to love our neighbors as the self. To encounter another human being, not as someone you can use or change or fix or help or save, convince or control, but simply as someone who can spring you from the prison of yourself if you would only allow it. She says all you have to do is to recognize another you out there in the world, your other self in the world, for whom you care as instinctively as you care for yourself. Love is a lifelong project. In our epistle lesson, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul paints a picture of what that love looks like. Now, these are very familiar verses, are they not? We hear these words often read at weddings. We see them on plaques. We even see them printed on religious cards. And they become so familiar that they can also easily become so completely domesticated and can lose any power to change us because they become so familiar. But when we think about these words, when Paul writes these words, he is addressing disunity in the church. When Paul writes these words, he's talking about the discord and the quarreling in the church and the brokenness in community. That's what he's speaking into. The members were divided into these rival factions of who declared loyalty to Apollos or to Paul, to Cephas, or to Christ. They were unconcerned about how they were attacking each other and how their behavior was impacting those around them. That's what he was speaking into. They weren't even aware of those who were new to the faith, how they were witnessing this quarreling and this brokenness and discord. They were not concerned about that. They were more concerned with superior, superior spiritual status, who were most important and who held what titles and who had what rights. They were caught up into what I would call religious puffery. The Corinthian Christians got a little puffy and a little elitist and self-absorbed as they were communicating with each other and with Paul. And Paul reminds them that each of them are uniquely gifted by God. All of us are uniquely gifted by God. He reminded them that each of them had the manifestation of the Spirit that was given to them, not for them, but for the common good. Who we are and whose we are and how we are uniquely gifted is not just about us and for us, but it's for the common good so that we can do good, so that we can show up with God's love in the world. God has a divine plan of salvation and we are a part of that divine plan. Paul says that just as the body has many parts and all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And God has put the body together so that there shall be no division in the body, but that all parts shall have equal concern for each other. Paul showed them and declared a vision for a more excellent way. The way of love, 
Paul was inviting them to take a step back. Take the long view, if you will. To get outside of themselves, to get outside of their bubble, to get outside of their own needs, to get outside of their own wants, to get outside of their own preferences. And consider the needs of others. Consider the places where there's brokenness and pain and division. He wanted them to get outside of themselves to consider the people who are hurting, who are in need, who are longing for community. He wanted them to get outside of themselves so they can see their own giftedness, their own purposefulness for the common good. He was calling them to claim the gift that Christ came to give, the gift of salvation, the gift of healing and hope. That's what Paul was doing when he spoke these words. You know, so often when we think about salvation, we think about what we're saved from. And that becomes the lecture oftentimes of what we're saved from. We're saved from sin and we're saved from death and we're saved from condemnation when we're saved. We're saved from guilt. We're saved from our trespasses. And all that's true. The gift of salvation, yes, we're saved for heaven. We're saved for the kingdom. We're saved for all that is to come. That is true. But what Paul is reminding them, and we are reminded this morning, this morning is that we are saved to love. We are purposed to love. We have been set free in Christ to love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love does not want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love does not force itself on others. It doesn't fly off at the handle, as Eugene Peterson puts it. It doesn't keep a score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel in others' grovel. It puts up with everything. And it trusts God always. It always looks for the best. It never looks back. What if Christ always looked back on our lives? I know I have some things of my past that I don't want to be reminded of. Christ never looks back on us. Why do we look back on each other? It keeps going on to the end. We serve a God of second chances. We serve a God of grace. We serve a God of forgiveness. No one is beyond God's redemption. Love never dies. As familiar as these words are and as beautiful and poetic, we need to hear them, don't we? Over and over again. We have to keep reciting these words over and over again because they call us and invite us into a deeper capacity to love. Learning to love deeply and profoundly is a lifelong project. And it takes a lot of practice, amen? 
Some people really make you practice love a lot. I know these times of leading and being and existing in this pandemic that we're in, but also in this climate that we're in, it is putting me into a lot of practice. Amen, somebody. And when we read these words, they seem simple and realistic, and we even say, this is doable. And we can hear them when we're feeling holy. <laughs> we can even hear these words and say, yes, this is doable when we're feeling really loving. But what about when we are confronted with those who are difficult to love? How does love show up? What about when we're not comfortable with those who are different from us? Different races and different orientations and different ethnicities. How does love show up? What about when we're in the middle of a tense election season and have a disagreement with someone we love? How does love show up? What about when people make false accusations against you or deny you your voice of truth? How does love show up? What about when we see people hurting and those who feel rejected and living life on the margins? How does love show up? What about when you see people who are holding that cup for change or seeing that sign that says homeless or asking for help? How does love show up? What seems so clear and simple reveals the fact of how challenging and risk-taking love really is. Or what about when we're hurting? When we're exhausted? What about when we're running on low? Or when we're feeling empty? How does love show up for us? That's the gift of community. That's the gift of the church. Our purpose is love. What does love look like? Love looks like loving all of our neighbors. What does love look like? It looks like welcoming the stranger, being in ministry with the poor, caring for the sick, listening and responding to the cries of the needy. What does love look like? Showing compassion to those who are hurting and grieving. Helping to set free those who are oppressed, who feels like there's no way out, where there's no advocacy for them, even for simple things that we sometimes take for granted, a basic human right of health care. What does love look like? Tearing down walls of hatred and discord and building bridges of peace and reconciliation so that we can sit at table and not talk past one another, but be in conversation with each other. What does love look, look like? It's proclaiming the wideness of God's mercy. As with anything else, it takes practice. And all of us are bound to fail at it. We're not going to always love well. But thanks be to God for God's 
generous grace. Thanks be to God that we serve a God of second chances. In these times of great division and lovelessness in the world, let us show a more excellent way. Let us double down on love. Let us choose love and live love and give love. Let us reclaim and recommit to love at the center of who we are. Let us together, because we're on this journey together, let us together pray that the Spirit will move in us in such a mighty way that we will become more loving. And may our love for God and our love for neighbor bear witness to the healing power of God's love and force of good in the world. Amen? Amen. As we move into this time of communion, this is what love looks like. And I invite you to gather your communion elements at home and let us prepare our hearts for this time of receiving God's love and God's grace with this invitation and confession. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. You are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup from his table and gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, O God, we offer ourselves in praise and in thanksgiving as a holy and a living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Lord, we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us who are gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, O God, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we all feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Because there is one loaf, one pita, we who are many are one body. And the bread in which we break is a sharing of the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing of the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. 
I invite you to stand in body or in spirit as we sing our closing hymn. They will know we are Christians by our love. Before we leave, our hope is that you will take the message with you into the world, that you will take this calling to be God's love into, in the world. And so we have a few ways that we can do that this week and into the future. One is simply by baking some cookies. For the USO Canteen, you can help the ladies of the UMW Evening Circle fill the USO Canteen at Cleveland Hopkins Airport with homemade cookies. You can bake cookies, you package them, six per baggie, and then just drop them off downstairs in the church freezer during this first week of February. And then we are also collecting old smartphones for Nehemiah Mission to be used by people who don't have one but need one to be able to find support groups and purchase bus passes and apply for jobs. So you can put them on factory reset and you can bring them here to the church and we can send them off to where they are needed most. And then also, we have several ways to grow in our, our understanding of who God is together. One is our basic beliefs class. Tonight is the second class of a four-week series, and it's part of our membership journey. And this class is a fun class, online, 7 o'clock on Sunday evenings, and it helps you to discern whether you're our kind of crazy. 
So we talk about UM history, who we are as a United Methodist Church, and what we believe and what makes it special. We recorded the first session so you can catch up quickly, and it's a fun way, even those who are already members, to get to know or remember why and how the UMC is so special. And then also we are invited to participate with the Garfield UMC with their multi-ethnic conversations. This is a nine-week opportunity. It's a small group on Zoom on, on Wednesdays from 7 to 8.30. And it starts this coming Wednesday. And it's an opportunity to take that next step wherever you are in racial reconciliation and anti-racism work and in working to break down our own biases. This is an opportunity to have um, honest and open conversations in a, in a safe environment. And then also, next week begins our Sunday school classes. We have one that is spiritual practices. This one is actually directly following this service. It'll begin about 9.15, 9.30, and then it will introduce you to a new spiritual practice each week that you can then take into your next week and practice day to day. And then also during our education hour at 11 o'clock, we will have a hymn sing, a history of hymns right here in the sanctuary. You can join online as well as in person. All of that and much, much more. We have so many different things going on here at BUMC and I invite you to check out the link tree because that really has all of the information. Otherwise, we would be here a very long time as I told you all of the things and you would stop listening to me. So check it out and know how you can get engaged and grow with God and with one another here at BUMC. And so, Bishop, I invite you to share our benediction. We are called to go into the world and to all of the world and share the love in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are called to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Just as we commune at the table, we go now to commune with the world. We are the broken bread and the poured out wine for the world. Now may the love of God and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and may the power and the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit shower you, pour over you, and pour within you that we might go and show and live the more excellent way, the way of love. Amen.